So this evening I would like to just start out with a, uh, actually just a guided practice, uh, which is really ultimately about uh, this practice of listening, which is what this is, um, what we're here for. So I'd like you first to just uh, take a comfortable posture. And just noticing in the body the largest movement, allowing the mind to find where that contact of mind and breath is. And now just letting go of the breath and bringing the attention first just to the crown of the head, the body, the sensations, uh, whatever uh, it may be an area of blankness or maybe strong sensations there, but just allowing the mind to rest in this part of the body. this practice of just resting and exploring what is noticeable in that area. And now just letting go of the crown. And this is very much like just pouring water of this mindfulness through the actual physical body itself. So you can feel the area of the head and the forehead. The area of the eyes, temples and back of head. The mind may wander off to other parts of the body or to thoughts or feelings, but just returning to this area, wherever it is we've moved to. Just allowing this water of attention to move down now through the area of the ears and the jaw muscle and joint, the sinuses and uh, the air moving in and out through the nostrils. the lips either touching or not, the teeth and roof of mouth and throat and tongue and chin. And then just these muscles and the vertebrae in the back connecting to the skull, the throat and 
the muscles holding up the head. Down into the area of the shoulders. And just feeling the area of the chest as the breath rises and falls. And the shoulders and the upper arms. The muscles on each side of the vertebrae that are holding you up. allowing the attention to move on down to what we know is area called the lungs, the ribs and the muscle and skin, which are simply just words. They're concepts for points in space within this contact of mind and body. on down into the area of the diaphragm. There's the belly, which uh, the liver on the right side, and the intestines and the kidneys in the back. This whole mass of area that we experience uh, as belly. the lower part of the bicep and tricep and the elbows. And on down into the lower belly, noting the movement of the breath, the lower back, the hip joint, the legs connected to the torso and the buttocks and genital area, the forearms on down to the wrists and the fingers, this whole mass of vibration down through the thighs and the knees, into the shins and the calves, and just letting this attention move on down to the ankles and heels and arch and upper foot, and right on out through the toes. And then I'd like you to gently open your eyes, but keep the attention in the whole body, this awareness that uh, is It's, in a sense, panoramic and all-inclusive of our physicalness. So last night, Gil talked about the 
this uh, practice of uh, simplicity in the moment and our ability to connect and note what's happening. One of the things that was said was 5% is the noting and 95% the experience of this being here. And so tonight I'd like to explore uh, this relationship, uh, which is really the fundamental of so much of this practice, is simply uh, the mind is not separate from the body. We may have trained it as such, but that's not its nature. Its nature is actually in contact, uh, in wakefulness. I was sort of sitting free associating this afternoon saying, well, what am I going to talk about? I never know what I'm going to talk about, but it seems to little pieces will come flying in. And, and so I thought, oh, I've told all these different stories. So I kind of remembered a new story. And um, it was simply a story when I was 10 years old and I was in school in Switzerland I was going to a lycée, which is uh, the, my first year in this uh, French part of Switzerland, and uh, my French wasn't that great. And it was in a s- small village uh, that hadn't had any foreigners in it. And I had a friend, uh, Danielle, who was about same age as I was, and he had an older brother, about 16. And they decided they'd pick on me. And that was kind of the you know, part of the pecking order. And at one point, there was a fountain outside the school, and this is winter time. And they picked me up and they threw me uh, in this um, fountain. Uh, and I broke through the ice and kind of went under. And I remember waking up, and I was—it was one thing was uh, just the cold, and the, uh, I guess it was shame and fear and anger. And I remember walking home, and it was freezing. And I'd had this several times in my life where I said, "I just don't want to be here, and I don't want to be connected to this body." And I realized it became a theme. Uh, that somehow uh, that uh, what the experience in the body was was not something that I could find the pleasantness that I or comfort that I longed and hoped for. And I suspect in everyone, if you go back, you know, there is some place or places in a series of places where our expectation was to find comfort. Uh, But so many times our experience was not that. And so there was a sense of splitting off or disengaging or disembodying and finding the easier in a sense, to live uh, in a mind that 
was not determined by the experiences of the body. Later, I trained as a kind of an athlete for a while as a ski racer. And one of the things was to push myself past the limit and uh, sort of go into endorphin land. And then I would make contact sometimes in that. But what I've learned over these years from practice has been actually the opposite. In the 60s, when uh, I first sort of started indulging in uh, the sort of becoming somehow the psychedelic mind was uh, what my goal. And when I first came across this practice called meditation in the 60s, I thought, oh, great, because I had already learned a kind of a route into uh, altered states uh, that gave me a great uh, kind of, I thought, comfort and understanding and uh, some knowledge. And when I went to Asia, first went to Asia, uh, one of my greatest longings was there was this idea, this concept of a thing called enlightenment. And that somehow I could go beyond what's here. Of course, when I came to this practice and sat down, uh, first, of course, my desire was to actually find altered states. <coughs> but what is it that we find? You, know, you sit down, you shut up, uh, you attempt to stabilize the mind on a Actually, in this case, a moving object, the breath. And recognize how all this happens, all the conditioning. And it's not about going out somewhere. It's not about leaving here. It's about being here. And this is a simple training uh, that directly points at the inclusion of uh, the world of seeing and smelling and tasting and sensation uh, of the mind connecting and knowing it. So it's actually a practice of embodiment 
there were a lot of years where uh, I think the spiritual advantages of having a hard childhood was also the kind of disconnecting with my feelings and not allowing uh, certain feelings to come in, that I would block them. Also, I think, as a part of a male trained that way. In this practice, just when the mind connects, uh, simply as we've been here two days, just with the breath, if you notice that when that contact is made, there is a softening that happens. And it's actually our ability to start recognizing that softening, where we're not separate. Uh, We're actually It is a sense of just touching presence. Uh, Presence as part of body, uh, as also part of the feeling. We're not separate from any of it. And that, of course, ignites all sorts of stuff. And yet we have a refuge that is millions of years, millions of years of intelligence. And if we think we can outthink it, uh, well, good luck. So our practice, I started, I said, oh, this is about listening. And we have to use these disciplines as noting, as uh, simply uh, aiming the mind and trying to keep it here. And that in keeping it here, there is an acknowledgement of the physicality. And by doing that, there is a harmony that happens. Uh, And that harmony creates the softening. When the softening happens, there's a natural relaxation. And there is sometimes a reaction to that natural relaxation. Uh, First, it sort of allows all the stuff that's been stored in the closet uh, 
to be sort of uh, dumped out. So there are probably, you've been observing and experiencing uh, old stories. You know, some of them, I don't know where they come from. Uh, you may have spent thousands of dollars in therapy thinking that uh, they were gone. Uh, but they return, and they're here. And it's not that it's good or bad. Uh, it's simply the closets open, and we can use them. Whatever material it is, whatever you know, your top ten tapes... To make this connection, when the mind and the body connect, and that softening happens, it begins to break the trance uh, of those tapes. There are moments when you stop struggling and what happens is we get so focused on kind of good meditations, bad meditations, uh, our problems, uh, you know, our, our, uh, the discomfort that's, that's in the body that holds us. Uh, in captivity for periods of time, and it's going to. But there's also the possibility of noticing that when that mind and body connect and there is that uh, sensing, and it, it, it's so difficult because it has no, the, the discomfort or the pleasure uh, has a charge on it. And this place I'm pointing to doesn't have a charge. We're almost passing over it all the time. And yet, this is what the Buddha is pointing at, at this kind of place between a kind of a crack in the worlds of our wanting and our aversion to things. In the mind and the body, they've made contact, and there is the relaxing that happens. And our practice is as we pass over that, uh, to recognize it, to be, we're working on this moment-to-moment awareness, uh, to recognize the value uh, in this center point. The Buddha simply called it peace.
that that is aware and knows right now, that's kind of looking out through your eyes or hearing my words, or, you know, I was going to say scratching your butt or whatever, it doesn't matter. That that is aware is untinged by anything. It is in its primordial original state. It's never been anything different. And we get fooled so easily, caught in the drama. And there's really no way out. But there is this point kind of in the center of your experience. It's here right now. It's not anywhere else. It can't be in the past. It can't be in the future. There is no awakening in the future. And actually, there's, there was never, if whatever experience you had, it's no one in the past either. But there is the recognizing. We come to this world, this retreat world. So, it's so, I'm just always so amazed how. You know, there's the kind of gate down there, and this is walking into really uh, a sanctuary. And the sanctuary is not about what's out here. It's not about me speaking or the other people sitting around you or, you know, or how uh, beautiful this retreat center is or trees or the birds or the weather, any of that. It's about what's going on inside of you. And we come here and we slow down. It's imperative. We stay within ourselves, uh, keep, keeping our eyes down. We let go of things like uh, reading or even, uh, you know, if you're a journal writer uh, or a, a dream recorder. In some ways, the purity of this practice, the simplicity of it, is just to stay here, to stay in your body. If you could do that the whole time you're here, the untangling happens on its own. If we begin to have more and more confidence in keeping the mind uh, it can be in the whole body aware and awake it may get pulled to thought it may get Uh, twisted and feeling sometimes. And yet, bigger than all of our personal 
story is that there is this place in the center of this whole place. that is a place you can rest, a place you can learn to have confidence in, deep confidence. And begin to trust the nature It's really the nature of what lets go. So if you can simply in all uh, stages and conditions here, whatever it is, whether it's uh, however you move around, if you can remember to just bring your attention back into the body. We train in the breath. We train in walking or in the yoga itself to just stay with it. It is such a privilege uh, to be supported here by the collective uh, effort. And then every time that we let go of our story or let go of how we think this should be, that we're supporting also others. It doesn't seem like much. But only th- things only happen moments at a time. And you're choosing, you're choosing not to come back in the sense of of, of the breath. Uh, Gil spoke of this last night in the sense of wanting it. But it is about allowing what's already here. You're, you're, You're being breathed. You're not even your thoughts. They pass through. even though it's how you identify. Your demons uh, will come.
If you can come back, though, uh, and touch this presence, they have no power. No power here. You will have to learn to prostrate and bow down to them. Because many times they simply come as teachings. but only pointing back. To your capacity to notice that 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 knows is unstained. You're more than your history. I'm going to keep it really short tonight. I think it's enough. The, the beauty of staying and noticing there's a place that releases all things. The sure heart's release. about fearless. And fearless is not about separateness that we've created here in a sense to experience our internal world. But then it's about the contact, about love. The fearlessness of uh, touching relationship and the world is love. It's a pretty big number. Please keep working. So let's just be quiet for a moment.
This talk was given by John Travis at Spirit Rock Meditation Center on December 28, 2003. It is an offering of the Dharma Seed. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.